This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. We are super excited to be talking about this amazing book today. Oh, Carrie, I'm just going to laugh every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This we, we are thrilled to be back and to be talking about a. I'm thrilled to be back on the podcast. <laughs> Carrie is here with us today, which I'm happy about, and that's the most important part. The book if, of Carrie. Yeah, this, ooh, the Book of Carrie, that is a good supplement that should go up on the Storyteller's Vault. Um, no, no, people don't want yeah. that because it's just going to read, don't be a dumbass. Stop it. <laughs> Connect your things. <laughs> if you are not yet, you should become a Patreon, patron, a patron of our Patreon, which you can find on Werewolf the Podcast and Patreon. And if you do that, you can join our Discord and talk about all things werewolf all the time, which is super fun to do. And it's a lot of werewolf. if you are interested in awesome things in the Storyteller's Vault, there are some amazing Werewolf the Apocalypse products that I have produced as well. Including the Book of Carrie is not out yet. The Book of Carrie is not out yet, sadly. We are still working on it. It's in progress. Um, we just yeah. brainstormed it. So... <laughs> Um, but go and find Welcome to Purgatory and Curse of the Otelli's Burger and other books like that on the Storyteller's Vault. Um, Carrie, how are you today? I'm in quarantine still, or, you know, quasi-quarantine that we're all in, and yep. I think it's starting to finally get to me. That's fair. I decided to shave all of my fur off. I am no <laughs> longer a proto- uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, labro? Labro, yeah. Woo! We haven't done this in a little bit. <laughs> no, we uh, haven't. <laughs> I am no longer a proto-glabro, and now I'm fully Hamid form, so I don't know how I feel about it. I'm very jealous because I want to shave my head, and mm. I've been fighting the urge, and now I'm seeing your, 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 bald, your beautiful baldness just shining across the Zoom screen at me, and I'm, I really want to go shave my head. I'm all for it, but I am not a decision maker in your life. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'm here to support you one way or the other. But. <laughs> all right. So we are talking about Book of the Worms second edition. And all of this lead in is completely appropriate to Book of the Worms second edition. Because this is, wow, this is a book. It, it is a book. And yeah. it is a second edition book. It is absolutely a second edition book. This is one of the few books that there are four versions of. There is a first edition, second edition, revised, and werewolf 20th anniversary version right. of this book. Um, so it is pretty special in that way, in that it is a idea that they have felt, hey, we need one of these in every edition of this book. Whether or not you need this book 
is uh, an interesting question, which we will explore, but. Yeah, I, I think it boils down to, it's a really, well, anyway, we'll get back to that later. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, we will talk about that later, folks. Yeah. Um, this book was published in 1998 by White Wolf Publishing Incorporated, as all these other books were. Yes. Um, it was written by Brian Campbell, who wrote the Black Spiral Dancer section. This is one of those weird books where they actually tell you what section the writers wrote. And I feel like they do that either when they're really proud of the writers or they're really disappointed in the writers. I don't know which. I think it's because these books are... Uh, okay, personally, when I read this, to me, it seemed like the Black Spiral section was clearly written to eventually be its own tribe book. Mm -hmm. And so it was probably completely done and sitting there. It makes sense. And so they just plucked it and put it in. And so, you know, instead of just going, he worked on the whole book, you know, just give him credit for what he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't think it, I, I actually don't think it's like a proud or, you know, a shame thing. I think it's just, a, it was so clear cut. I think that's fair. That makes sense. And I, I have done that myself in books where it's like, this person wrote this adventure or wrote this section right. and that was the only thing they put their fingers on. So, But it was all them. Right. And you want to give them the credit for that and say, hey, this is all them. That's good. If, if it was good. And if it's not, then at least you know who to go and like find and murder. Um, <laughs> or just be like, we're very disappointed in you. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Sam Nabinet wrote the cosmology section. Uh, Dina McKinney wrote Pentex, and Jim Moore wrote the monsters section. Mm -hmm. so, um, lots of good folks. Additional material by Justin Achille and Ethan Skemp, developed by Ethan Skemp, art by uh, a whole bunch of people, including yes. Joshua Gabriel Timbrook, Andrew Bates, John Cobb. Uh, this is the first John Cobb that I've seen in a vampire book. And I think that's because he's... Well, the werewolf book, so... Uh, did I, what did I say, vampire? I said vampire. Wow, what have Ooh. I been talking about recently? Um, first time in a werewolf book. Um, he's usually a wraith artist, so that's kind of an interesting thing. And there's a bunch of other great folks here as well. But I don't mean to leave anybody off, but you're all wonderful. Okay. Now let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about let's talk overall. About what all these wonderful people did. Yeah, these amazing folks, um, what they created. How do you feel overall about the cover of the book, Carrie? So I have decided that I like Ron Spencer's art, but I like it better when it's black and white. Okay, fair. Um, this feels like it's trying too hard mm -hmm. um you know and now i'm gonna go back and say just the opposite i love the colors of it okay but i think that the colors are taking away it feels like he did this in black and white and then put color on top of it instead sense. of using the color for the composition of the piece mm-hmm um, which makes me think that might be actually exactly what he did. He probably had drawn this for something else. And then they were like, we need a cover. And, you know, who knows? It could have been like, we need a cover five minutes ago. And he was like, let me slap some warm green on this, you know. Um, I, I, I think I, I'm not, I don't understand the anatomy that's going on on any of these creatures. But I can justify it by going, well, they're all 
twisted and worm creatures, but they're they're kind of uh, I'm I'm unsure with the amount of muscles and tendons going on. Although there, I will there say there are some extra muscles and bones that people don't have. Right, but but that could be on purpose. Yeah. Um. So like that that's a hard thing to judge for that. Um. I really like the the crinos in the background that's got the weird jaw snout thing that's going up in the air. That makes me giggle. Because that's something as a storyteller I would do. Right. Because um, while, like, like, as a storyteller, when I'm running a game and I'm running dancers, like, yes, they should be horrible and grotesque, but it should almost be so ridiculous. Because I also don't want my players to be so grossed out they don't want to play. Right. And there, there's something almost, it look kind of looks like a Muppet. Yep. And that makes me laugh. And I also really think that the other crino sits in the background that's eating the person's face. I don't understand what kind of flesh was on this person's face that's stretching like that. I don't know. It's certainly interesting. It's yeah. Like Swiss, uh, not Swiss cheese, like mozzarella cheese. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, so it's a little weird. I also like the fact that his eyeball is still intact and is looking at the viewer. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> like, it doesn't even look panicked. It's more just like, hey. This is uncomfortable. Maybe you should stop this. Please Maybe. stop eating my face. Yeah, you know, or at least you know, use a napkin, something. No. Yeah, I am going to go on the record and say I don't like it. Not because it's not good art, because I think there's good artistic skill here. <laughs> but I think it's too much. And I, in, interestingly, the same color scheme is used on all of the books on all the book of the worms yes. um the first edition i think is just body horror creepy enough that i'm like okay i'm getting a vibe here yes in 20th anniversary edition it's this huge scene that is happening in this same color scheme and it's wild and it's still ron spencer and it's all of that but There's just muscles everywhere Right, but it feels yeah. right, I think, for the addition and for the worm and everything. Like, it's too much, but it's too much in a good way. Yeah. Um, and then this is just, it's too much, and it doesn't ground me in the book, what I would like the book to be about, but maybe it does ground me in what the book is actually about, and maybe that's why I don't like it. Um, oh, you mean sex? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because that seems to be a horrifying theme throughout this book and not um, not in a good way. Yeah, no, not in a good way. In fact, after reading this book, I, I felt very much like, oh, these people didn't like sex. Yeah. <laughs> Who were, like, it's not even like, it's not even like they were uh, making it sexy. Like, it almost felt like they were trying to say, if you like sex, that's a wormy act. And to me, like, that should be, like, the most wild of the three. Of the right. triad, you would think that sex would kind of fall in with the wild. Right. And they've kind of more implied that it falls in with the worm, and I don't agree with that. Yeah. No, I don't agree with that either. And I, interestingly, I don't know if that was the intent, but it's, they were trying to make the Black Spiral Dancers so horrible with the way they interact with their kinfolk and each other and there's a way of doing that and then there's a way of taking that too far yeah it, it, you you 
just have to imply it. You don't have to tell us every detail. Right. And incidentally, like there's a note in this book early on where they're like, we could have made this Black Dog Games book, but we didn't. <laughs> and I look at this book and read through this book and go, you basically did, except you stopped like a half step away from a line occasionally. I want to know what they edited out. Right. Like, like how bad was it? Then they went, oh, if we take this out, it'll be okay. <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah. All I know is, like, early on, like, this book starts, I'm going to dive into the intro story because this okay. it really sets the tone to, like, this book, is that it's about this pack of Black Spiral dancers led by Zizak, and Zizak is a canon like figure she is the signature black spiral dancer is she is she a legend or no she is by the time of revised at least okay i don't know if she is at this <clears throat> stage but i think right very close to it okay um she she screams she has this mental disorder supposedly where she just yells constantly as well as doesn't wear clothing, uh, which would be fine, except she they when they do depict her in clothing, it's in bondage gear. And I don't quite know why, other than the World of Darkness aesthetic that they were going for, why they needed to go there. Um, but she carries a whip. When she's dressed, she's dressed in bondage gear. Otherwise, she's naked, and she is horrible to everything and everyone. Yeah. Um, and she and her pack are like the main concept, the main direction of this first story. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Let's go. I don't think that it is smart for any book to go, you shouldn't play the bad, bad guys but let's use them as the examples for everything you could play. And that's basically what they're doing here. They're, uh, you know, the, the book, the, the, the opening story actually starts off with another guru, a guy in guru who's like, oh, we're, you know, oh no, they've overrun the Karen and, you know, oh, all this stuff. And then it's this pack of dancers rolling in and basically in a very descriptive way that didn't need to be described, kills him. Like, you know, they talk about his skull shattering and it's not just shattering, like they explain it. And um, I don't know, I it boils down to, I feel as a game runner and as a player, not that everyone always has to play goody two-shoes, but if you're just playing that something that's strictly a monster, then why are you doing that? You shouldn't revel in those things. The bad guys should be reveling in those things and you should be trying to stop the bad guys. If you revel in things that the Black Spiral dancers do, stop playing games and go get help. Yeah. And this book does not instill that at all in players. This book is not meant for players. It, it should have never been... Okay, I jumped the gun a little bit. I'm sorry. It's okay. I think you're getting to the main 
thrust of both of our experience with this book is that it's written as if it was a player experience book. Yeah. And it really shouldn't be. This should be a storyteller's book and writing it like a tribe book, which is really much more like how it's written is very odd. And there was a book, Freak Legion, which was written as a player's guide to Fomori. It's even called a player's guide to Fomori. But that was a Black Dog Games book, and it was intentionally designed for you if you're going to play people infected, basically, by the worm, who are almost like dark mutants or dark superheroes, this is a way to do that, to really like lean into it and play that horribleness for a session or so. If this book had been written like that, I would be on board with it and be like, yeah, you know, this is, I want to go dark for a session for a single game. This is a way to do it. But it's weird that it's written for players, but not kind of explicitly as like a, hey, be careful with this if you are players playing. There's a couple points in the book. They're like, hey, don't do this. But then they tell you how to do it. Yeah. And so that's weird. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting dichotomy, uh, mm-hmm. a, a balance that they try to get and don't quite hit it. They do not. Um, and I, I find myself in a weird space with these signature characters and particularly with Zizak. Like she is supposed to eventually kill Albrecht mm-hmm. and she is over the top as a villain and kind of ridiculous and part of me likes over the top and ridiculous villains but then there's all this really creepy stuff with her and I don't know like having her as the kind of like protagonist of this first story makes me really feel icky and I guess maybe that's the point of the book of the worm but it also makes me go "Mm, I don't want to read this yeah do we need to lean into this quite as far right Yeah, we'll leave it at that, because if people want to read the story, they absolutely can. Yeah, Um, I mean, it's... All right, so I I kind of feel like a lot of the the stories that they use in this all kind of fall a little bit into that creepypasta. mm -hmm. And there is a place for creepypasta, you know? Every every once in a while, I'll find one, and I'll be like, oh, that was good, that gave me chills, or Mm -hmm. that gave me a story idea, or whatever, and that's great. But for me, it's the creepy part that's good. Pasta is good too, but that's a whole other podcast. The the, the, creepy is good. I don't like it when it brushes against that like gore porn. Yeah. And there's a couple parts where they're like, let's talk about, you know, bones penetrating skin in detail. You know, instead of just saying what happens, like there's an enjoyment about the suffering that I just did not enjoy reading about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And it's both an in-character enjoyment and sort of, uh, an, I'm not going to uh, put any thoughts into the author's minds, but it feels like they it definitely, feels. like they bathed in the gore and were like, ha 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 for just a yeah. couple of minutes. That sets the stage for this book, both from an art perspective and a writing perspective, pretty much what we're going to find throughout. Um, it 
is a storyteller's book really, uh, but it's written with lots of sections where you have so many rules. You could take this as a player and be like, I want to play back Black Spiral Dancers. And there's been kind of jokes that there's never been a Black Spiral Dancer tribe book, but this book is in most ways enough for you to run Black Spiral Dancers as a tribe if you wanted to do that. Oh, absolutely you could. That's, there's not even, like, that's not a joke. This is the Black Spiral tribe book. Yeah. The one thing that I will give this book as an absolute win is it does blame the weaver for <laughs> everything being wrong. And if you have paid attention to this podcast at all, you will know that we agree it is the yeah. weaver's fault. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that I was like, hey, there's a high, nice sidebar about there the weaver. There we go. how do you feel about chapter one which i think is it's probably the the most straightforward of the chapters of this book but do you have any or i should say of the introduction and then chapter one yeah let me i'm trying to make sure that i've got because i wrote down page numbers for my Mm -hmm. notes but i didn't write down what chapter they were in okay because i'm dumb that's okay uh, um i um (sighs) There's a lot of detail about the Hydra heads and the, uh, all, all, just the hierarchy of everything. And uh, again, if I'm not playing a Black Spiral dancer, you know, even if you have level five lore worm, you're not going to know all these names. And, and so it, it feels a little bit more like it's like, here's candy just so you know it. Yeah. Here's the name. Even if you are playing a Black Spiral Dancer, you shouldn't know all these names. You should never run up against these things. This is one of those books where I look at it and go, someone had a lot of lore in the back of their head. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I get writing it all out because you think, hey, that lets players and storytellers pick and choose the parts that they want to use for themselves. So I'm going to give them everything they could possibly need. And I'm going to give them all of this background and all of this cool meta plot. And it's going to be so amazing. And people are going to make great stories with it. And yes. But on the other hand, you on some level, limit what players are and storytellers are able to create at their own Because you've tables. taken up all the room. Right. Yeah. So that's that weird, funky place that this is in. So I will, though, if we're go- I, I want to give nods, though. The coolest name in this entire book is, I don't even know, he's one of the, one of the, in the hierarchy, he's like the second Major or third down. Karnas. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what he is. Um, Duke of Hate. I I actually laughed out loud and I was like, that is the best name ever. And then his name is Lord Steel, Duke of Hate. And I was like, I would I would run that guy. Mm-hmm. Everything about his description was boring, but his name was so cool. Like I just I just thought that was very fun. Like sometimes you don't have to be gross. And over, like, you you can have a silly name. Like, the bad guy can have a silly name. And then when he decapitates someone, you're like, oh, he is the Duke of Hate. Oh, no. Right. You know, like, it that's can it. Really get into your head. You're like, oh, wow, even silly name guy is yeah. terrifying. Woo, woo. 
you know, that juxtaposition of having kind of a goofy name and doing horrible things is great. I love that. So, yay. I also really dislike the fact that they had to have a patron saint of suicides. That seemed really unnecessary and a little bit dangerous. Um, just because even at the time that this was written, you know, gamers have a hard time. Yeah. And, you know, they knew that. And they don't, you know, just, yeah, suicide is very dark and very wormy. And, and you know, maybe you shouldn't push people OOC to believe that there's something pushing them to do that. Um, so yeah. I did not like that. This is one of the biggest problems with the worm, the concept of the worm in Werewolf is that are the dark things caused by the worm or does the worm just take advantage of those things of right. those dark things? And it's one of the, it's one of the weirder, harder things to get to in the world of darkness where you don't want the darkness to be caused by these monsters because the moment you cause real world darkness to be caused by the monsters, you're taking away from the validity of that real world darkness. Right. And, so it is one of those things where it's like Banes can attach to people and do these horrible things, but in most of the writing and not always, but in most of the writing, they try really hard to indicate these people already have these thoughts and feelings and they're attracting these yeah. horrible things to them. The, the real world trauma is the problem and these things are just exacerbating it but that gets into weird spaces where it's like, well, is that don't appropriate? Even, yeah. Don't even go there. Yeah. In my opinion, there are other horrible things they could do in this book. You know, and they do, you know, and they don't, they, you don't need to brush up against that. You know, just let it be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, uh, it's hard. It's hard with this type of material when you're trying to go dark and not be an edgelord, but this, this book's in full on edgelord territory. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I was, I, I felt the urge to go find a fedora and put on a trench coat while I was reading it and have a wooden katana to hold. Like I, I just, all of those stereotypes, I, I fought the urge. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah I feel you. Um, yeah, I think you were mentioning before one of the, um, Magellan Incarna, the, um, so there are these different layers of power, in the worm. There are the triadic worm who are basically the three heads of what remains of the worm itself. Mm -hmm. And then underneath that are these different uh, incarna of horrible things. And from a name perspective, my favorite, and I wish I could find their full name is Maine du Dubois, um, Duke of something or other. Um, but their name is like 13, like words long and then there's an esquire at the end of it and it's absolutely like over the top ridiculous but um one of those moments where i was like i'm trying to find this and can't but of course still yeah. good yeah um I'm, I'm glancing to see if i can find them real fast but they're the layout's weird because there's there's a lot of art in this book which is awesome yes but because i'm scanning on a pdf like it's like uh and a lot of this art in this section is John Cobb art. And the, the good thing about John Cobb art is it's really evocative. The bad thing about John Cobb art is it's 
hard to figure out what the thing is. And it all kind of looks the same. Yeah. Um, that I actually stopped studying the art as I was going through as much because it was all kind of the same. I mean, I think that's fair. And and I I don't actually don't blame him because if someone was like, I need thirty wormy pictures from you, well, <laughs> that's what you're gonna get, you know? Right. Oh, and it's corruption's advocate, the Chamberlain of Lies, the Honorable Maine Dubois Esquire. Yes. <laughs> fantastic is he one of the one does he work at the the duchy that has that makes you do all the paperwork he should but i don't think he does he um works for the urge of lies okay i i was i was dying i i think i may be jumping ahead but there's a they also talk about locations and um in one of the in one of the duchy locations like their big thing is paperwork Mm mm-hmm and I just, I love the idea of, like, all these, gr- this guru pack, like, traveling to Malpheus and going through all this thing and then ending up standing in a line, having to wait to do their paperwork. And it's the most horrible thing ever. Yeah, it's like, like we're going to go destroy the worm and we're at the DMV. Yeah, no! You know, and, but, like, I was th- I was actually thinking if I was running a tabletop grant game like you can't have fight after fight after fight like that's really heavy on everyone or even a even a lark like you have to have that moment of not necessarily silly but a moment for them to breathe and go this is look at each other and go this is terrible what are we going to do and I thought that was really actually smart to build that into actually into Malfi's or wherever it was I don't remember somewhere in the Umbra yeah, well, it's in one of the realms of one of the like sub sections of Malpheus. So in this section, and we are not doing this chronologically anymore. Um, we're yeah, all we're all over the place. place. I'm sorry. It, no, it's not your fault. It's definitely mine um, because I just started talking about things and we rolled with it. But um, we're in chapter one cosmology at this stage and talking about how Malpheus is set up. And Malpheus is like hell in mm-hmm. Werewolf. It is not uh, linear. It's all over the place. It's definitely like a mishmash of uh, Cthulhu-ish monstrosities in hell all in the same place. Um, And so like hell, it's got these different realms within it. Some being like uh, torture places and some places being just manifestations of the horrible things within our universe. So. I really also dug the the area that was the garden. Mm-hmm. Like, just the idea of, like, this part of Malfius, this part of hell, is that you get separated and you can't find anyone. And, and like, it's just this creepy forest that you're in. And I don't know, like, I, I, like I, to me, like, I'm like, that's what I would want to play. Right. You know, like that, you know, like seeing all these, hor- getting through all these horrible things. And then you think, oh, I made it to a forest. I'm a werewolf. Forests are good. And then, oh no, it's not, you know. And and I also thought it was interesting that they actually built into the forest that that's the easiest way to get out of Malpheus. Mm-hmm. Malpheus, um, I'm, oh, I'm saying that wrong, sorry. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting because up till now, it's been up till now in the book, everything's been like, woohoo, the worm's the greatest thing ever. It beats everything. Yay. And then they have this little like section where they're like, well, you know, maybe you could get out here. And I was like, oh, that's, 
that's good at least they they're they're thinking at least a little bit of as a storyteller you got to give your player you know unless you're just wanting to kill all your players right if your players are going to malpheus uh, yeah if your players characters are going to malpheus your players are going to malpheus things have gotten really bad in life yeah um but if their characters are going there they should have a an out because otherwise you're going to kill them because they should die there. Like those, those at the end. But if they're have a way out, even if it's hard, then at least there's some hope. There's a sliver yeah. of hope. And that's the whole point of werewolf mm-hmm. is that there's, you know, you think we can't win, but we got to keep trying and maybe just maybe you can make a little bit of a difference. And that's, that's what keeps the game going. But yep. anyway, one of the things that I find interesting about this um, section, this cosmology section, is it's cool in so far as like it's horrible, but like horrible in a way that I want to use these places in my game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem in one way because then every pack at some point has their I've been to Malpheus sticker. Yes. And it is really cool. The way that I would fix it would be to say that all of these realms exist separately within the Umbra. And instead of being one conglomerated place where you go and you're like, oh, wow, I've gone to Malpheus. Woo-hoo, this is the third time this month. Um, you go to one of these individual realms of these, like, um, incarna of these horrible things. Okay. And when you do that, then you can make it about lying or about sin or smog or whatever the thing is that you're bringing people there for. Yeah. And you're not overwhelming them by then saying, and then this other horrible thing is right next door. And this other horrible thing is right next door. I think that's the way I would take all of these things and make then keep them and keep them interesting, but divorce them from this idea of uh, the Malpheus weekend trip. Sorry, I'm trying to, find in my notes somewhere they talk about in there's deep in Malfi's Malfi is a um like and it keeps changing so like even the desert and like they don't even know what's there that there's pathways to other places mm-hmm. and I was just thinking that would be an interesting um way to do that to connect almost like you know worm moon bridges just between the different realms instead so it's kind of like you know the city next door is bad in a different way but if you can get out of here without taking that highway then yay Mm. you know yeah it's better to keep them a little bit separate from one another Mm -hmm. because then it it might still be hard to get out but then it's like i got in and out of this one hard place yeah and then i what i've learned Mm-hmm. And maybe I can get use that to get in and out of the next hard place. Yeah. Which would be cool. Mm-hmm. I will say, even in this book, though, they talk that <clears throat> going there, Malfi's, should only be... They actually say um, should enter most games only as background color. Right. Like, it should mention you should mention it to your characters and they should be scared and then you don't go there. But then they give us a whole chapter on it. Right. They give us too much not to go there. Right. Exactly. And I, that, 
that I guess is the recurring thought of this book is like, mm -hmm. they kind of say, Oh, these things are horrible. They should be in the background. You shouldn't show them on screen, but then they give you enough or so much that it's like, well, I've got everything I need to show this on screen. And this is really cool. I want to bring this into the story somehow. I also think that everything in this, well, like just from the things we just talked about is that it works way better in a tabletop game. Right. Um, as soon as you do something like that in a LARP, then you have 90 players going and then it becomes completely out of genre. Yep. So, you know, if, if you are in, in a werewolf, uh, game that is a, if you're running a werewolf tabletop game you've got a little bit more leeway to have your characters be kind of uh crazy heroes and go do stuff like this as opposed to running a werewolf larp where you your goal is more to keep the status quo because if you let your players go do crazy things all the time then you get known as that crazy game yeah you don't want that yeah the weird thing is or the thing that i was just thinking about is that what was i just thinking about um <laughs> wow i had a th whole thing you did was, you had a thinking face yeah we'll come back to it yeah when you remember yeah i guess so hmm so <laughs> book of the worm second edition yeah it's hey, let's really talk neat. about Pentex next. Let's talk about Pentex. So Pentex is my favorite antagonist in the world of darkness. Ooh. And I say that hands down. There's no other uh, antagonist that is as cool to me as Pentex is because okay. Pentex is so realistically horrible Yeah. that I can easily use them and not feel like I'm going too far outside of what real horrible corporations do and don't care about. Um, not okay so what what is pentex pentex is an evil corporation that serves the worm that has all these subsidiaries that their goal ultimately is to increase corruption in the world which is a little bit ridiculous capitalism just takes advantage of corruption it doesn't necessarily want corruption right but pentex isn't just a corporation it's also in some ways an aspect of the worm exactly so it does have a um, not monetary goal. Right. And that goal is ultimately we want to see the world corrupted so that we control it. Right. Which they already do. Right. <laughs> I always yeah. kind of thought that was weird because it's like, you already won. What are you doing? <laughs> the weird, okay, or I guess the messed up thing is that Pentex is only number seventh company, uh, like wealthiest company in the world, according to um what are know, those other six doing right it makes me go well well amazon well, i mean Disney. <laughs> hmm, what are you doing and how does it uh anyway um pentex is all the horrible things of a corporation in the modern mm -hmm. world they are out of control capitalists they don't care about the environment they don't care about people they don't believe in work-life balance they actually i do think they care about those things but in the negative way ah right like they're like oh we can chop down trees let's do that option mm -hmm. that's the thing they are almost 
going against their own self-interest at times when they're like, oh, we could make more money doing this, but this also corrupts some stuff. So let's do that too. Sometimes they're a little bit uh, mustache twirly in that sense. Oh yeah. But you know, that's okay. But I also think they're so super subtle if you use them that way. Like for me, my favorite thing ever is to reinforce that they are everywhere. That in the game, you're going to um, a um, an Endron gas station to get your gas. That you're eating at O'Tully's when you're getting fast food. And I do this in every, like Vampire, um, Werewolf, pretty much every one of these games will have these locations. And their ubiquity makes them so horrific to me. And yeah. things like, oh, where are you getting your uh, headache tablets from? Well, from Magadon Pharmaceuticals, because where else would I get my aspirin tablets from? Yeah. And they'll just add that little bit of horribleness to it that you're not going to end up healthy by taking their meds. Not in the long run. Right. Yeah. Um, I still, anyway, that's generally my m- big picture take on Pentex. What are your big... Take I've always thought that Pentex was scarier when you never heard the word Pentex. Okay. But part of the problem is because of books like this, players all know it. So even if like at some point you, you, you're being really good and you never use the word Pentex, they're going to go, I bet this is related to Pentex. And it's like, well, I'll flip the table. Never mind. Right. You know, so it is a little bit harder to be sneaky with that stuff at least sneaky on a out of character way so you can surprise them later because they're not going to be surprised if they're playing werewolf and they've gotten any books they've heard about pentax yep you know so that that's a little frustrating uh for me but overall the concept of pentax is super fun and i also like i like pentax a lot because um it's everywhere like you said it's everywhere but it's not just everywhere in guru Mm-hmm. it's everywhere in vampire it's it's heavy and mage you know like it's it's got its little pentexy fingers in every world of darkness genre there is um it's kind of the sam hate of um corporations yep yeah absolutely <laughs> and and but i like that stuff i like stuff that unifies the the universe because it's really easy to just play werewolf or just play vampire. Um, and if you ever want to have any kind of crossover, suddenly you have to be like, we're the superheroes of both, you know, we're just the good guys working together. And it's like, no. Um, but when you have, you can have that flavor go across the board. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great when you're running a mage game and you just drop in a, Hey, here's Avalon Industries or something like that. and Because then suddenly your players, even though they know it's connected to Pentex, they all go, because it's yeah. not a werewolf game. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, does my character? And you're like, no, your character know? knows nothing. What do I know? You know nothing. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yes. And it's even awesome to sprinkle that stuff in and have them not be horrible in that setting. They're so, just present. So... I found something that I found fascinating about Pentex. Okay. On page 68, they have a little sidebar memo where it's like Pentex is, I want to say like 
it's the list of approved things that that whatever this company is doesn't have to it's a blanket approval for some financial things okay and one of those things is birth control and i went pentex is better than hobby lobby yep <laughs> yep like i don't know how i should feel about that here's the sketchy thing is when you <sighs> yeah Right. And I actually, I think that puts a really interesting layer on that where it's like, are they being controlling or are they being like, Hey, if we, if we give them this one thing, then they'll be more likely to take the other drugs we're giving them or however it is, but it's this wonderful manipulation. And, and I just, I don't know, that just jumped out really interesting at me, you know, especially for being written decades ago yeah and the fact that in we're still having some of the arguments from 1998 today yeah. is a problem but the awesome thing here is that there's that subtlety of going hey we're providing you like they pay well pentex pays really really well it's one of the mm-hmm. things they emphasize except for the people that they don't pay really well like it's but really that's really, on purpose yeah yeah and they're like we're gonna pay our cream of the crop really well and then we're gonna give them all the things that they want and then oh, hey, we're going to also stuff them full of steroids and other things that help them be productive, but ultimately yeah. are the super harmful things. It's, yeah. Right, they're, yeah. They're such a great villain. And, like, when you bring in Kinfolk and you're like, oh, your Kinfolk works for, um, uh, now I'm trying to think of the subsidiary, uh, of Tin, of, uh, Tim Tickle Ales. It's not Tim, but it's one of the 10 Tickle okay. Ales. Um, th- they work for the brewery. No big deal, right? Right. But it's little things like that that are just so awesome when you're like, this is the world that they have to inhabit. Mm-hmm. And they got to figure out how to get around all of it. I also found it really fascinating in the Pentex section. <clears throat> they mentioned the Camarilla vampires quite a bit. Mm-hmm. and it's always in the light of the Camarilla are against Pentex like somehow they've managed somehow Pentex views the Camarilla as the I don't want to say good guys because you know not in their perspective but like as of reading it I'm like oh the Camarilla are the good guys they are good guy vampires compared to everything else guys (laughs) yeah you know or even compared to the sabbat who work with pentex sometimes and and i just thought that was really interesting because it's like you know like when you read anything vampire you're like what jerks you know the camarilla are these just and we forget that like in the in the genre of vampire originally while camarilla weren't like great and golden they weren't the bad guys depends on which edition but yes well okay i'm talking really old like first edition it was the anarchs were the good guys right right. and then second it was kind of like anarchs and camarilla were kind of good guys and just struggling the sabbat's really really bad over here yeah and you know sometimes they're like well sabbat's only bad if you want them to be bad Right. You know, I mean, you know, they still eat babies, but not all the time. And like, that doesn't make it okay. 
I've never understood Sabat players. <laughs> the interesting thing for me with so we're going to digress. The Sabat are a group of vampires, <laughs> and I'm going to digress for just a second to talk about them because <laughs> sorry everybody, they do connect with Pentex because Pentex works with all the antagonist groups in the world of darkness. Yes. Um, I like the Sabat's religiosity. Mm-hmm. That for me is the thing that I think is intriguing about the Sabbat is that they have this inhuman philosophy and religion element. That is the part that I like to dig into with the Sabbat and the sense of like this dichotomy of we believe in freedom, yet we have to control all of our um, people. And yeah. those two things balanced against one another make for really interesting games. When you get into the I'm going to be a monster because I want to be a monster. I'm bored by that as much as I'm bored by that in any game. Yeah, yeah. So, I hear you. Yeah. But. <laughs> I just, the the fact that, like, every time they talked about the Camarillas, and then they, they sabotaged us, and darn those Camarilla vampires. <laughs> and I was like, this is weird. So, anyway. <laughs> it's definitely, it's one of those things, like, the bad guys get along better than the good guys. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And it's strange. It is a strange, strange thing to find over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But if there was a single section of this book that I would say, read, it's this. But then there's an entire book called Pentex uh, Subsidiaries, Pentex, yeah. which is all of this information again. Yeah, it just it, felt a little cut and pasted. Yeah. Yeah. Which is disappointing because... Subsidiaries is my favorite book in mm. World of Darkness. Having it here, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go to Subsidiaries rather than read it in here. No, that's fair. They do mention the seventh generation again. I actually didn't think they got mentioned again outside of first edition, but there's a reference to the seventh generation who are a, a cult. We'll just call them a cult. Yeah. They're a cult of child... That's kind of Pentexy, but Murders. yeah. I don't know kind of why they're in the Pentex section, but they are. They are, and they are pretty horrible. So, if that's something you want to do with your game, you can lean into that. But I don't know why you would want to. There's so many other horrible things in this book. Yeah, right. and more fun horrible things. Right. Which brings us to chapter three, which is the Black Spiral Dancers chapter. Oh, real quickly. Yeah. For me, there's a couple pieces of art in this section that okay. I would like to just say I'm really excited about because, you know, I was real like, eh, kind of just breezing over the artwork. And then in this section, there's a bunch of them that feel very Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And that made me really excited because like, it because then I went, oh my gosh, yeah, Pentex is totally a Hellboy feel. Oh, or yeah. Hellboys, you know, which I, I think Pen, I think Hellboy came first. I think Hellboy way. came first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, but there's just that feel to it, and so if you, you know, there's some real kind of fun art you should go check out in that definitely. Section. I, okay. I think some of the best art in the book is in this section, but again, maybe that's my Pentex <laughs> bias showing. I don't know. So chapter three is about the Black Spiral Dancers, and it's the Black Spiral Dancer tribe book. And the only thing that bugs me is there's a slua on the, like, cover art 
right before the chapter be begins. In the background, that is a changeling. That is not a black spiral dancer. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. It's okay. It's on page 76. Oh, yeah, I'm way off. Hold on. Hooray! I... My pages look weird. My, my numbers are off or something. It's okay. Oh, yes, yes, I see. See, and for me, that piece of artwork cracks me up because it's so ridiculous over the top of the dancers going, look, we're evil and we're pouring toxic waste into the water with a big can that's got the toxic, toxic waste symbol. Like, and it, like they're just pouring, -a -doop, no one notice us doing evil things. Dude, we're a horrible evil in Krynos. Krynos yeah, bat right. faces and things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, I actually never, I didn't even notice that Slua on the back. That's bizarre, because that's clearly a Slua. Yeah, it's like all the art for the Slua, that is absolutely one of them, and that's strange. Yeah. I mean, you know, they talk about them dealing with the um, the shadow court, mm -hmm. but that's just weird to have on their their title, their chapter page, you know, chapter head. Yeah, it's odd. It's an odd little like note that I wanted to point out. So there. Um, yeah, but chapter the chap this chapter is the tribe book. It gives you the history of the Black Spiral Dancers, where the picks are from, and the White Howlers, and all of that background on them and I think it's fascinating background and if you haven't read the White Howler tribe book yet I recommend getting that and reading that yeah. because that's a better version of this same history I, what was weird to me is again it was written almost like it was in trying to entice you to play a black spiral dancer yeah like there were times that they were like and then the tribe's numbers fell dangerously low like and like in just the way you read it you were like oh no and then it was like no wait <laughs> i'm kind of okay let go lower <laughs> yeah lower lower you know and i don't know it was just strange all of it <laughs> it's written from a perspective of the black spiral dancers being a player option yeah and it's just weird to me yep there's also this is a weird side thing that I just stumbled across again as well. Uh, there's a lot of vampire information in here. Mm -hmm. A lot of, like, they know a lot about the Sabat and the Camarilla for some reason. And the ruler of the local Sabat vampires, the Archbishop of Stockholm, had made a dark pact of his own. Though the Black Spirals were not familiar with the phrase, Path of Evil Revelations, they soon learned that the Archbishop worshipped the manifestation of the Beast of War. Oh, well, come on. Just, they're just putting that in there for players to go, oh, I know my vampire. Yeah, well, this is my vampire lore. Like, her. it's... My white wolf lore. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of that in this book. Yes. Where it's like, let's create connections that are too overt. Like, I would have been fine with this whole section if they had been less specific about the, the sex and the um, the clans and the it just other... felt like they were name dropping, right? Yeah. Like, why would the black dancers know all these names? 
they wouldn't. They would get them wrong. They would say them different. They would like oh, yeah, like create if they mispronounce stuff. That's 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 good because if a player then could out of character go, wait a minute, they are actually meaning this. Yep. Oh, that's cool that they got it wrong. Like then yep. that that makes for good story. It makes players excited that they caught the reference rather than just handing them the reference. Yeah that is worth so much more and I like it when they do that but it's this is too much it's too over the top yeah I agree any other feelings about the tribe book because I don't really have a bunch but um, I'm willing to talk about anything <laughs> no um I there there's a section you know they they talk about actually dancing the spiral in depth <laughs> about each layer and what it does to you and just things that like I wouldn't want to you know if you've got a player that is forced to dance the spiral then they become an NPC right you know don't don't run them through that that's creepy um but I do or fade to black and take them out on the other side if, if that's you know right but um they talk about when when an adopted guru is forced to dance a spiral you know when they come out whatever gargled thing they say becomes their name yeah isn't that the case for all of them because they make it sound like it's just for an adopted guru it's supposed to be for any black spiral dancer that's what i thought okay mm -hmm. i just wanted to make sure because like i was because that was one of the few things that i knew about dancers that i always thought was fun mm -hmm. and ridiculous because then you could never write out their names right or because right, there's some weird like um Right. Blah. Right. You're like, oh, that's nice to meet you, blah. You know, and <laughs> right. um but I always thought that was kind of like a fun, ridiculous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always equated that to the like the same with like Rackin when they go through their change and all that. They just dig through the garbage and whatever garbage they find first is their name. And I always thought that was super fun. And and then I thought, oh no, it's not that way for all of them, but it is, so that's good. That makes me happy. I feel better now. Um, I also think it's very funny that they have four of the same tenets of the litany as the regular guru do. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I think that's intentional, though. Like, I, part of me is, is okay with that because it's like there are still werewolves at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Well, um, and I, I think that's even better, though, because then it's like, you know, well, you know, we follow the same things you do. Right. You know, like, oh no, like that's, that. I don't know. I, I just, I, I really, that made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, that's good story there. Those are the hooks that grab, that you can use to grab players with and be like, this captured Black Spiral Dancer is it, like quoting the litany at you. Mm -hmm. And there can be some cool RP there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you get a, a Philodox. Mm-hmm. Black Spiral Dancer, like, oh, oh, that's creepy. That's a creepy scene. That's yeah. the good kind of creep. Right. Oh, okay. I think, yep. I think, I think I'm, I think that I'm good with dancers. Okay. The artwork's all creepy. It go. is. And it's, none of it is too far if you're a White Wolf fan. I think it's definitely very, um, what's the word I want to use? Zemisi-like? Yeah. Yes, yes, so yes. It fits that whole thing and that doesn't me yeah like there's strange mouths and limbs and you don't know what they are but you know okay it's body horror horror but if you're not used to body horror and werewolf at this point i'm sorry there's going to be a lot of body horror for you yeah 
which, especially in Book of the Worm. Right. Go in knowing that, yeah. And it brings us to the Femori section, which is an entire section about body horror. Um, and the w- interesting thing here is, again, if you have uh, Freak Legion, this entire section is completely useless. Yeah. Because Freak Legion has all of this stuff. Some of the powers are updated from that book. Some of them are updated from the second edition book. Uh, but ultimately, it's here's a femori, which is a human being that's infested with a bane. They are infested with a bane so much that they become a monster of corruption. And then they have to figure out what their life is going to be like after that yeah. point. One of my femori are some of my favorite bad guys mm-hmm. to run because all you have to do is go in your storytelling meeting, you know, or by yourself, whoever's figuring out the plot, go, you know, I want there to be a bad guy that can do this thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you, you go, oh, well, that's not a vampire. Uh, it's not a werewolf. Uh, it's a, all you have to say is that it has Fomori-like powers. And then it works. You can make any story work with a Fomori. Yep. And, and I've always liked that. And it makes me... It always, it always made me nervous when they'd be like, here's a list of Fomori powers. Because I'm like, oh, no. Because as soon as you do that, then you're kind of boxing me in a little bit, you know. And I don't – but, you know, I also understand, though, as I, I've been doing this a while. So, you know, like, I can I can think of creepy Fomori powers, and I don't need that. Um, so I tried to look at this as, like, a newer storyteller would. Um, and – I I never knew like I I, I, I like I like gorehounds I think they're fun. Um, I did a whole plot around them, not realizing they were actually a thing in a book once. So like I was like yay, um, but I used Action Bill. Oh nice. Part of I like I love Action Bill. Yep, agreed. <laughs> action Bill is a Pentex like action figure that kids can buy. So <laughs> when when I was doing when I was running my LARP and we were doing the Action Bill plot. I made um, action bill uh, comic book covers that nice. we would Xerox and hand out. And if you had one in your possession, you were worm tainted, but they didn't realize it right away. And so like, it was super fun. And then Guru started going missing. And then uh, action bill had a movie come out and it was action bill killing these werewolves. Oh, wow. It was, it was so fun. And, um, and it was great because, like, it was then the movies, when people would watch the movies, they'd become filled with rage and people mm-hmm. would be fighting, you know, and doing all the things that gorehounds do then. And um, and it was neat to see that, like, the plot idea I had was something that White Wolf also went, no, this, this is what you should do something with that. I was like, oh, okay, that's good to know, like, the same train of thought. Right. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. And that, that if I did that and White Wolf thought of that, that means lots of people thought of that. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, they basically got a genie one that I had never read about before, mm-hmm. apparently, or I read it and forgot about it. And I was like, well, that seems dangerous. Accurate. <laughs> I was just like, that seems like the type of thing that you would use to end your game. Or the world. But I think like a lot of these things are like that. Uh, they're like a lot of these from where I are. Here's a monster of the week and or this is going to end the entire chronicle. Yeah. Right here. Just depends on how you run it. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, I did want to point out, I, I thought of you when I was re when I was skimming over the skull pigs. Because they use the H word. <laughs> and I didn't realize that skull pigs could have hedge magic. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Because everything can have everything hedge magic, can. you know? And of to course... I expected there to be a section on hedge magic in Pentex, and there wasn't. Sure. So, you know, take that win. Which I'm kind of glad that the Femori don't by, like, default have hedge magic. Yeah. But also, yeah, I, I would have accepted if they were like, you know, Pentex has this corrupted, like, hedge magic path. I'd have been like, fine, but yes. okay, like... <laughs> It's fair enough, I suppose. Jerks. <laughs> I also wanted to point out in the skull pig section, they uh, they made a point of talking about how again Native Americans apparently have magical eyeballs. Yeah. And can see see through uh, skull pigs to be for what they were or something like that. And I was like, no, no. I like I I like I kind of get the feeling they're they're trying to. They're almost trying to go, no, this is a good, like, positive thing. But it's like, stop narrowing it down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's mm. like if they had said maybe dream speakers. Right. Then it would have no. been one thing. Or if they had said the Nunahay. And then it had been like, okay, mm. I can see that. Like, yeah. those things, those are supernatural beings that happen to be affiliated with Native American peoples. Yeah. Like, that's... No, just Native okay. Americans can't. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, white Wolf. White Wolf. You get things so right and then get things so wrong. So yeah. often. Brian. And then they're the aliens. <sighs> There's a whole section on aliens in here. Wait, oh, okay. First of all, I didn't realize that like uh, skull pigs and thunderworms were considered monsters, not mm. femori. I assumed they were they were types of femori or just worm creatures right um and so like i i will say like i was i was i was really happy with this that whole section on monsters yeah because i was like all right um also the fact that thunderworms have only been around since the first day bomb went off i didn't realize that because you always think something big and giant and crazy like that must be like an ancient evil mm -hmm. living underground what's weird about that i don't know if it's the thunderworm or nexus crawlers but one of those is in wild west so it's nexus crawler okay so maybe that's fine yeah thunderworms can be like I, I remember a piece of art with a nexus crawler with the long legs yeah 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 so um and the first ronin is like one of my favorite werewolf bad guy stories yeah yeah um that's just because my first real werewolf that I game that I played in, I played a Metis. And so like when she found out about the first Ronin, she was all like, you guys made him into a back. <laughs> and they're all like, they were all like, he'll eat your face. And she was like, I feel sorry for him. <laughs> You're jerks. It's like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> but that's good storytelling right there yes. because you want to have those little hooks where there's like positive emotional linkages to the evil bad guys. Like mm -hmm. those on some level should be a good thing. Yeah. So that, I think that's probably my favorite section of this whole book 
is the monster section because yeah. like it's just that that's good stuff you can use as a storyteller and it's not so overwhelming you know like your characters can fight a thunderworm at some point right and, you know and it's not like them going you know to the abyss yeah i like all the monsters in the monster section i really enjoy the aliens actually um as ridiculous as it gets like i enjoy the Vujunka and the Inquisitor and those things. I think they're creepy and weird and I'm totally on board with them being in this like so, game. I was shocked because I was like, I, I had never heard of an alien <laughs> being part of the world of darkness before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what is this? So I Googled the Vajunka. That I'm um, sure. Let's sure. roll with it. Um, and cause I was like, all right, they've got to be in some other book. Like maybe they're in uh, the not, because I kept thinking, all right, they're underground. Maybe they're connected to the Nosferatu mm -hmm. or even like Baba Yaga or something like, okay, these, you know, all the, no, they're in no other book. This is the only, the only other mention of them is they are on a rage card from right. the werewolf role play or card game. Yep. Um, and everything I read about them, I just kept thinking, this is a Doctor Who bad guy. Like, there, there's not, like, you know, they're in, like, all of the, even the dancers in the little section where they're, you know, they've got a little, the dancer talking about them, the dancer's like, I don't know what the hell they are, just stay away from them. <laughs> like, and it was just like, what is that, like, like, I don't know, it almost feels like someone was like, I'll fit in aliens, watch me. The funny thing is, I think they come from Mage, but not directly. There's a group in Mage called the Ziggaragalur. And the Ziggaragalar are very, very similar to the Vajunka in the way that they're written. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea is like, oh, if there are these evil aliens that are out there attacking mages and they're associated with the worm, maybe there's another group of them that are on Earth and live underneath the Earth and they're trying to get to each other. But like... <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad theory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think they're fun, but yeah, they are like, they totally seem out of genre a little bit. So like, if you use them, be ready for that to be like, or just be ready for it to be a wacky story. Yep. Like, like, you know, and then aliens show up. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. It, it is one angle to take things in. Right. Yeah. This It is a bit like Dirty Secrets of the Black Hand. You can go there if you want to. <laughs> Do you want to is the question. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about this book. Is we there have. Anything else that you think you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? So um, I've, I've got... I've got a little bit more. Um, okay. I just want to point out that as much as I'm like complaining and being all like, I, you know, don't let these things in your game. It's too powerful and all that. And then I read about Goblin Ale mm. and I couldn't help, but I want like a pack of Goblin Ale to fall into PC hands by accident. Right. Like what would you do if you were a Fianna? And it says Goblin Ale. You have to drink it. Yep. You have to. And then you're just angry. That's awesome um and like the 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 drug the femor femoral drug which yeah. they basically make by grinding up femori right <laughs> and i was like yeah that that makes total like that's the kind of horrible um 
horror um, kind of gore that I can deal with because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so like these are. Uh, so the way I, I don't think this book was a complete waste as much as I was, I've been kind of being negative about it. There, there are lots of little things in this book that I really, really like. Mm -hmm. And the big thing I kind of go by is when I read these books and if it gives me at plot ideas, like it ups the, and I have like four from the, just reading this book that I was like, I'm going to run. Oh, I could run this. And, and solid, I yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not running any werewolf games. <laughs> I don't, we need to start looking at other books for games that I am running so I can use these plots. Fair. Um, but I wanted to share with you um, the the two that I thought were really fun um, that I just kind of popped into my head. Um, so back in, I believe it was in Pentex, the Pentex section, they talk about how they had um, stopped working, developing a moon-based colony colony yes and i just went or did they <laughs> i i love the idea of doing like a massive plot where pentex is like you know what we're done with these werewolves we're gonna hit them where it hurts and they shut the moon down oh that would be cool like what are you because the only way to deal with that is either to umbral your butt to luna and fight, or werewolves in space. Which both of those are awesome. Both are just so awesome. Like, and especially if you think about it, like if your gifts don't work, because mm -hmm. Luna's offline, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, let's go save Luna. What's more werewolf than that? Right. Um, and I don't know, just like, I, I think like that would be an amazing one shot. That like just huge and over the top and ridiculous. And then you have the aliens show up and it's just it's so much fun um and then the other one is uh in the, also in the pentex section where they talk about how they started taking over schools mm. and i love the idea of playing like this is like way more of like a first edition werewolf you're like where you're all teenagers mm -hmm. but like a like a cw show but right. set in a Pentex high school where you're all going, what the hell is going on? These are all Stepford kids, but like bad now. And you're like, and I just think that there's a different type of horror there that you don't get to experience as much in the world of darkness in games. And I think that would be really fun to tap into. Yeah. I love both of those plots. Can we play? Can you run both of those games for me? <laughs> You're like, right now? <laughs> <laughs> right now, Carrie. We have nothing else well, to do. And then we'll just make them be those uh, those high school students. Go to the moon. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is a genius CW show idea right there. You can just imagine this werewolf show. And then, like, in season three, they're on the moon. And you're just like, <laughs> on the moon. And everyone's like, is this the 100? What happened What here? just happened yeah. in this show? <laughs> Why does it keep changing genres? <laughs> And they're like fighting space marines and aliens <laughs> from Earth. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, yeah. 
overall, this is an interesting book. It's one of the books of the worm. So I expected it to be dark and creepy and like gross on some level, but there's literally something called pus armor in here. It's a bit, it's a step too far. Um, <laughs> See, I can deal with pus armor. I just can't deal with all the other, like, not even just implied bad stuff that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Like, if you want a Book of the Worm, go and get Book of the Worm 20th Anniversary Edition. It's a solid book. It's got most of the good things out of this. And it's going to be worth it for you to run and play. There's a couple of things in here. If you're like, I'm going to dig into this and steal some stuff, you could do that. I think that's my takeaway from it. Yes. But I wouldn't necessarily tell people to go out and buy this book. Yes. I mean, like, there's, I, I think, like I said, uh, there's a couple, sec like, the, the monster section I really enjoyed. You know, the Pentex section was good, but go buy the Pentex book. Mm -hmm. Um I think the the Black Spiral Tribe book was unnecessary and just was enticing players to play Black Spiral Dancers. I really think it this book is great for storytellers and not great for players. Yep. I agree. Yep. I think, um, let's see, I'm just trying to think of a good metric. Um, Spirals? Spirals, yeah. Uh, out of... 10 spirals, I would probably give this a four out of 10 spirals in that there's stuff you can steal from it, but there's other books that cover this same material that I would recommend before this. I would actually recommend even the first edition book of the worm mm. before I would recommend this one. Um, so how many spirals would you give it, Jerry? Um, I'm going to give it five spirals. I'm going to give it one for each plot that I came up with. All right. And then one for the, um, the monster section awesome but Solid. yeah don't buy it and i mean definitely don't buy it if you're a player and if you're a storyteller borrow it from someone yeah fair all right everyone thank you for listening to another episode of werewolf the podcast if you are not yet a patron you can become a patron on our patreon at werewolf the podcast and you can find us on itunes and stitcher and all those other places you can find your podcast so Please go and review us and like us and follow us and do all those things that you should be doing so that you can find out more about us. And we look forward to finally getting an answer to the question, when will you rage? The music provided in this episode is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. You can find his work by Googling Incompetech or Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. You can become a patron of Werewolf the Podcast via High Level Games at our Patreon at High Level Games. You can learn more about High Level Games at highlevelgames.ca or by Googling us. Thank you for listening.